filled out the physical card, you can place that in the offering basket on your way out later on. So it is the last Sunday in August. It's the last Sunday of our Summer at the Vineyard series. And we've got something a little special for you this morning, a little different. Uh, Pastor Marianne and I are going to do a little tag team preaching this morning. We've got some girl power going on up here on the stage. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> No, we're super excited about this message, and it's, it's just cool how God works. It's something that he's been working out in both of our lives, and uh, it's just a very practical, biblical message that we feel God wants to share with you all this morning, but it's just one just so full of the life that God wants for all of us. So before we dive into our message today, I just want to share a little story just to kind of set the stage. So when I was a kid, which is not that long ago, actually. <laughs> I absolutely loved summer, summer vacations. Now, not so much the sun and the heat. The sun and redheads just don't mix very well. But I loved all that summer had to offer us kids. Now, I'm a Gen Xer, so that means I grew up in a generation where pretty much the door opened in the morning and we just flew out and never came back home until we had to eat something. And then we would fly right back out the door again. I mean, we had no cell phones. We weren't really allowed to watch a lot of TV. We didn't have video games or devices of any kind to kind of occupy us. The outside world was our daily playground, and we made the most of it. Now, our cue to come back in at the end of the day was twofold. The first thing we were instructed to do was to watch for the streetlights. Some of you might have had your own parent tell you that growing up. If the streetlights come on, that means it's time to start making your way home. Now, didn't always work. Sometimes we just didn't notice the streetlights or we were too engrossed in what we were doing. But we always had a backup call, literally. My mom would stick her head out of the back window. And we lived in a two-family house, so she had some height there and just would release this kind of a yell. Now, my husband told me in the first service I should do it. I'm not going to do it. I could, <laughs> but I won't. But it was this yell that would just permeate the whole neighborhood, and all of the neighborhood kids immediately recognized what was happening. I mean, seriously, my mom was like some kind of neighborhood celebrity, and she just knew how to call all of the kids home. So we just had so much fun. And one of the things we really loved to do was play hide-and-seek in our backyards. And you might know the game, right? One person is it, and they hide their eyes. They count to a certain number while all the kids scatter and try to find a place to hide. Well, I remember there was something just so electric about hiding, right? If you've ever played that game, you're like crouching behind a wall or hiding under the back porch steps. You're trying to hold your breath and not laugh or make a sound when you see it coming closer and closer. Your heart just pounds with excitement as you wait and hide. Now, hiding is something we are all good at doing, kids and adults alike. I mean, sometimes we hide for fun, like in the childhood game I just mentioned, Sometimes we hide for good reasons. I mean, maybe you just need a break. So you take the day off and you just want to get away from everyone and you hide in a favorite place just to rest and be restored. 
Now this one speaks to me. I'm an introvert, so hiding is actually part of my survival from time to time. And one of my favorite hiding places is to go to, is to, go to the Franklin Lakes uh, Nature Preserve. And there's a, it's a big reservoir surrounded by uh, trails and trees. It's a beautiful spot. Sometimes I'll go hiking, but most of the time I just go to sit by the water, just a quiet spot, and just be still. But sometimes, on the other hand, we hide for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we hide out of our brokenness or our wounding or our shame or fear. Now, let me just say a quick little caveat here. I'm not talking about hiding out of fear for your safety. That's just an entirely different matter and a different kind of fear. And some people sadly do fear for their lives, and hiding is a necessity. I just wanted to be clear. That's not what I'm talking about. But the bad kind of hiding this morning stems from more of an internal fear or shame. Maybe old wounds that just haven't healed or we hear lies in our head about ourselves, or maybe it just stems from our own sin. We're good at putting on a smile, but hide how we're really feeling inside. We might post confidently on social media, but we're not going to show our struggles. We're going to hide behind that. Maybe we feel like we're drowning from all of life's demands, but we want to appear strong, like we can handle it all, and so we end up crouching in the darkness so no one sees what's really going on in our hearts. We end up isolating from others sometimes, putting up walls that we think protect us, but they really don't. And in those darkest moments, we really do end up alone. We are all good at hiding one way or another. Now, I have preached enough for you to know that I love Bible stories, and I especially love the characters that we meet in those stories. I mean, even though they might have lived thousands of years ago, we can still see ourselves in them. Their feelings, their thoughts, their experiences all resonate deeply with us today. So we can see the good kind of hiding right in the first chapter of Genesis, right? There's Adam and Eve walking and communing in their secluded garden, just hidden away with God. We see Moses. He was hidden in a out, uh, rock outcropping by God's own hand to protect him from the blazing glory as God passed by. And even Jesus himself would go off on his own, alone and in solitude, hiding from the crowds so he could spend time with his father. But in the Bible, sometimes we also see the bad kind of hiding. Adam and Eve, again, once hidden away in such a beautiful way, now find themselves hiding in shame from God for their disobedience and their sin. Peter ran off and hid after he betrayed Jesus, just racked with guilt and grief for what he had done. Jonah in the Old Testament hid in a boat and went in the total opposite direction because he wanted nothing to do with what God was calling him to do. So my point is this, hiding is nothing new, even though we can certainly try to hide from our fears or from our addictions to hide from bad decisions or maybe from people we really don't want to see or situations maybe we don't want to face. And I've certainly done my fair share of all of that. But the truth is this, we can't ever hide 
from God. And that is a beautiful thing. David in Psalm 139 says this so perfectly and with such hope. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. I love that passage. And here's the amazing thing, that no matter what we're facing, no matter what we are experiencing, whether it's pain or shame or fear or desperation or we are just plain worn out from life, not only is it impossible to hide from God, even more, God doesn't even want us to hide from him. Rather, God wants us to hide in him. Because when we let God do the hiding in his way, under the shelter of his wings, in the palm of his hand, that's when good, abundant life comes. In other words, God doesn't just want to come into our hiding places, but rather God wants to become our hiding place. Over and over again in scripture, we hear this life-giving truth that God is our fortress, our hiding place, our refuge. Now, I love words, and so I looked up these words in the dictionary, and the, for the definition of refuge, you'll see it on the screen, is this. It's something that provides shelter, or it's a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit danger, or trouble. I love that because that's exactly what God wants to be for us. It's all right there in the Bible. So just listen to some of these amazing promises about God. I'm going to share a couple of verses, and I would just encourage you to use these as your own takeaways for whatever might be going on in your life, just to have these truths right in front of you. And, you know, it's funny, as I was, like, working on this sermon and preparing for it, I did a deep dive into these verses, and what was so deeply encouraging to me, it was I was just struck by how many verses about God as our hiding place that there are in the Bible. Over and over and over again, God is so clear. This is who I am for you. Now, I'm only going to share a couple of them this morning, but these and more I posted on our app. If you have that, you can go in the sermon notes section. They're all listed out there, and you can use them for your own reference. But these were some of the highlights that really struck me. Psalm 119, verse 114. You are my refuge, my hiding place, and my shield, and your promises are my only source of hope. Psalm 27, verse 5, for he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Psalm 32, verse 7, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. 
And Psalm 31, verse 20, hide your loved ones in the shelter of your presence, safe beneath your hand. You see, God's kind of hiding is so very different than ours. Because when we try to hide ourselves, it doesn't work. But God's way of hiding is safe. It's life-giving. And it's for our good. So let me give an example from the Bible, which really speaks to this in such an incredible way. And it's from the story of Elijah. Now, he is one of my all-time favorite characters. And this is found in 1 Kings 17. Now, Elijah just delivered a prophetic word to the people of Israel. But frankly, it was not a good one at all. (laughs) He had to confront the king and declare that God was going to bring about a severe drought to the land, which would cause great suffering and devastation. Yeah, it's not fun to be the messenger of that kind of word. You know the phrase, don't shoot the messenger? I'm sure Elijah had that running through his mind big time. But God knew the risk for his prophet. He knew that the stakes were high. And so he put his hiding plan in place before it even happened for Elijah's good. So we're going to pick up the story at verse 2. And this is in the message version. And then this happened. Elijah, the Tishbite, from among the settlers of Gilead, confronted Ahab, that's the king. As surely as God lives, the God of Israel, before whom I stand in obedient service, the next years are going to see a total drought, not a drop of dew or rain, unless I say otherwise. God then told Elijah, get out of here and fast. Head east and hide out at the Kareth Ravine on the other side of the Jordan River. You can drink fresh water from the rock, and I've ordered the ravens to feed you. So Elijah obeyed God's orders. He went and camped in the Kareth Canyon on the other side of the Jordan. And sure enough, ravens brought him his meals, both breakfast and supper, and he drank from the brook. I think this is such a cool and hopeful illustration for us Because God knew exactly what Elijah needed. He knew that Elijah was uh, was afraid. He knew that Elijah's very life was at stake. And he knew that Elijah needed to be in that place of hiddenness for his own protection. So God was in charge. He hid Elijah in the wilderness, that stark, solitary place But what that also means is that Elijah had to go to a place of utter helplessness to give up all control. Elijah had to surrender and be totally reliant on God for his very life. God was Elijah's refuge, his safe place, and he is that for us too. God knows what we need. And he meets us in that hidden place if we let him, because that's exactly where he knows we need to be. Good things happen in our lives when God does the hiding. And when we see this for the beautiful truth that it is, when we surrender all of our lives to God, every facet of our life, when we stop fighting and hiding out, out of our own volition, and trust him to hide us in the shelter of his presence, 
Then we can say with such certainty and hope along with David in Psalm 59, where he says, and me, I'm singing your prowess, shouting at dawn your largesse, for you've been a safe place for me, a good place to hide. Strong God, I am watching you do it. I can always count on you, God, my dependable love. Amen. more about Elijah and um, the significance of everything that he went through as as so beautifully put right God always meets us in that hidden place and when the Lord sent provision to Elijah miraculously of all ways through ravens through birds I guess that was like the DoorDash or Uber Eats of that day the significance of that right, was that Elijah was completely reliant on the Lord, and the Lord provided just what Elijah needed. And as Elijah trusted and sought out and obeyed the Lord in his instructions, his needs were met in a pretty miraculous way. I mean, imagine getting your food from birds like he did. However, I love the story of Elijah because he is so relatable, and his humanity is on full display in this book. You see, after this encounter with these amazing birds, you would have thought that Elijah's faith would have been unshakable, right? And actually, in the next chapter is where we read about what Elijah is probably most known for, which was the great um, battle, right? It was, it was the great showdown wherein God used Elijah to consume an offering that had been doused in water. It was him versus the false prophets of Baal. And spoiler alert, our God, Elijah's God, won in such a dramatic fashion. So we pick up Elijah's story after this in chapter 19. King Ahab tells his evil queen, Jezebel, what Elijah had done. And they are mad. They are so upset. They are mad because he killed so many of their false prophets. And so Jezebel, the queen, sent a message to Elijah and threatened his life. So verse 3 says that Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Imagine, after everything that had just happened, after the instance with the ravens, and even more so after the episode with the prophets and actual fire coming down from heaven in front of Elijah's face, right? Consuming a sacrificial bull, Elijah is still scared. And he runs for his life. This is the bad kind of hiding, right? Like Sue mentioned before, he's reacting in fear. And it may seem surprising to you, but this is actually a great comfort to me because I see myself in Elijah, right? How quickly do we forget God's provision sometimes? How quickly do we go back to fear in our lives even after experiencing the miraculous? How quickly do we go into hiding on our own terms instead of trusting God to take care of us. So Elijah's running for his life, and he says something dramatic. He finds a spot under a bush, and he prays to God, and he says, I have had enough, Lord, take my life. He's giving up. However, miraculously, again, an angel is sent and takes care of him. Not ravens this time, but an actual angel, right? He got that upgrade. The angel gave him food, gave, told him, Elijah, take a nap. Upon waking up, 
the angel again gave him more food. And because of this, Elijah's strengthened enough, and he goes and travels for 40 days and 40 nights, and he found a cave to spend the night in. And this is where we will pick up the passage in 1 Kings 19. This is what it says in verse 9. There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So the Lord God said, go out. He didn't even address all that Elijah had just said, right? He said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So the Lord wasn't in the wind. The Lord wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. The Lord was in the whisper. You see, the way the Lord speaks is not always in the miraculous, not always in the fire that falls from the sky or earth-shattering earthquakes. A lot of times, I think in my experience, most of the time, the Lord speaks to me like this, in a whisper, in the quiet, in a gentle, soft voice. But it also said in our passage that Elijah heard the whisper, right? Let's not gloss over that. Elijah heard the whisper because he was in a position to hear from God. He allowed God to withdraw him to a hidden place so he was able to hear. So the question for us is, are we in a position to hear when the Lord chooses to speak to us through a whisper? If Elijah had chased the flashy, the loud, the big events of the earthquake of the fire, of the wind, he would have missed God's presence in his whisper. But because he was in that hidden place with God, away from all the distracting noise, he could hear God in the whisper. And from that whisper came Elijah's next thing, right? Elijah's next steps, he heard from God. God told him, this is what you need to do, and this is where you need to go. And it makes me think, how many times have I tried to hide myself away on my own terms to the point where I can't hear God at all, maybe even through my own pain or through my own struggle or even in my need to control in doing what I think is best, completely shutting out God's voice in my life? How many times have I chosen not to make space for God to speak to me, to avoid that, uh, that necessary life-giving intimacy of his presence, to assume that he's only going to speak to me a certain way. I mean, what if Elijah had decided the only way God is going to speak to me and provide for me is through ravens, right? He would be like looking for birds all day, chasing them around, right? And, and that sounds ridiculous. But maybe in our own spiritual lives, perhaps you've been in a rut because you've had a mountaintop experience. Like Elijah, maybe it was a miraculous moment. 
But since then, you've been so busy chasing that experience that you forgot to find ways to hide with the Lord. I had a moment like that in college where I felt like I would always go back to in my spiritual life. I was on a literal mountain. There was no fire that fell from the sky, though. But um, I was in college, and uh, I had the opportunity to travel to Guatemala with a few of my college peers. And we were there to just serve kids in an orphanage and do work with the Quiche people and do some outreach there. And it was a beautiful time. I mean, no one cared what we looked like. We were getting dirty and working all day, working with the kids, having fun with them, and experienced such contentment and joy in God's presence. It was a beautiful time. And I remember one night, we, um, our team kind of just sat around in a circle. We were worshiping and praying together. And I was so in the zone with God. I was just so soaking in his presence, so completely content and so happy. And by the time I opened my eyes, everyone else was gone. And I don't know how long I was there. But for years after that, I expected the Lord to work in my life and to meet me in that way for a very long time. Fast forward to 12 years after that, I'm a new mom, and I felt like my connection with God had just been blown up. Um, my time was no longer mine. My space was no longer mine. I wanted to hide, but it was for all the wrong reasons. It was a beautiful time for sure. Don't get me wrong. We were so thankful and grateful for this beautiful baby boy. But it was also one of the toughest transitions and adjustments that I had to ever make in my whole life thus far. You know, I could barely keep my eyes open long enough to brush my teeth, let alone get intentionally away with God to be alone with him, to let him hide me in his presence and soak in his caring love for me. You see, I chased that mountaintop experience in Guatemala for years, and everything that fell short of that, I completely discounted. I would hear from the Lord, and I would experience God's presence in beautiful ways, but in my mind, I would think, but it wasn't like that. It wasn't like my time in Guatemala. After some wise counsel, a few trusted voices in my life, um, they helped me surrender what was past, and God used them to help me build some intentionality in the necessary hiding that needs to happen with the Lord. And not just during mission trips or special occasions, you know, not just during a conference or a retreat, right, or a, a concert, Christian concert. Not just during those times. Being hidden, choosing to hear from the Lord, taking time to hear these rhythms need to be built into our lives. So intentionality and surrender is so important. So what might that look like? What does God have to say about that in our lives? One of the ways that we're encouraged to do this in the Bible is to take time to practice the Sabbath. And I know Pastor Phil has talked about this before. Um, in the book of Exodus, we are given the commandment to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So here in, in, in Exodus, the Lord is encouraging his children to cease work, to just stop. For one day, stop working. Hasidic Jews and even several sects of Christianity still follow this commandment and really take it seriously, right? So much so that some don't even turn on a light switch because that's considered work. Now, I'm not saying we need to take it to that extreme, but what I am saying 
is that we need to consider what Sabbath might look like for us today in our lives. What might it look like to be quiet and get alone with the Lord so that, like Elijah, we are in a position to be able to hear a whisper from God? Listen, the world is a very loud place. We know this living where we are, not just audibly, but visually, about the, you know, the bombardment of images we get from our phones, from the billboards even driving around. We are living in the most densely populated area of the country. There is people and activity everywhere, so much noise. So can we build it into our lives that for one day of the week, we are intentional? about rest and being with God to hide in the shelter of his presence. The refuge that he wants to be for us. Earlier, Sue shared the definition of refuge, a shelter, a safe place from the storms in our lives. This is what God wants to provide for us. And he does this through Sabbath. It is meant to be a gift. The Lord knows we need to rest in order to thrive and to flourish. It is a It is good for us to dial down the noise in our lives, even just for one day. So consider what a weekly Sabbath might look like for you. Can you stop working for one day? Can you put your phone away for the whole day or at least delete a few apps that you know distract you so that you can be present with your family, so that you can be present and be quiet, so that you can hear from the Lord? Can you go to church every Sunday and really commit that, that that is a huge part of your Sabbath? Or if you like me, maybe you work on Sundays. You know, what is another way, another day in the week that might make sense for you to take your Sabbath? If you're in a season of life where a whole day isn't feasible, I'm thinking about you, new moms, stay-at-home moms, maybe a whole day, it's, it's just not possible right now. Can you schedule out a half day to cease from all work at home? Can you not cook for an evening? Here's, here's your permission. Tonight, grab a pizza, don't cook, ignore the laundry, and just be with God. Be with the Lord. Be with the people God has gifted you to be with so that you can be present with them and be present with your Father. Amen? Amen. Even if it's just for a few hours, right? So Sabbath is a good weekly rhythm to have. Now Sue and I are going to talk a bit more now about what are some of the daily ways the, day, the, the things that we do every day so that we can find that hidden place with God on our own. So, Sue, what's one way you choose to get alone to hear from God? Yeah, so I really appreciated you mentioning um, busy moms. <laughs> There's a bunch of us out here, uh, not just busy moms, busy working moms, but it's not just for moms. It's all, we live in a culture that is just so busy, and that's why intentionality, again, is such a key thing to remember. Yeah. So for me, it is being intentional. If I'm not, it's not going to happen. Um, But one thing that really helps me in conjunction with that is having a resource. Um, Just sitting down with the Bible is a wonderful thing, but I'm not going to open it up and put my finger down and that's my verse for the day, right? I like using resources. Um, So one app I wanted to share with you that um, has just made such a profound impact in my life and just helping with this is called Lectio 365. Um, If for those of you who have our app, I actually put a link in there if you're interested in checking it out. Um, It's an amazing daily devotional. It's short, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, whatever. Um, But it helps you pray through the Bible every day. And uh, you can either read it or you can do the audio version and have someone read it to you, which is what I choose because it comes out of England and Ireland and I can listen to those accents all day long. (laughs) 
Um, but it's really a wonderful resource, and I just want to encourage you, you know, use apps, use things like that, too, just to kind of keep you focused and centered and really let God speak to you through that. Yeah, speaking of resources, um, even in between the services today, someone mentioned the Bible app, which, you know, is a wonderful resource. They have all kinds of plans, um, videos. You can listen to it audibly, too, so that's a great big help. Um, what I love to do is uh, I, I read a passage in my Bible, and I've been doing this for years. I think since I was in elementary school, I am a big journaler, and I find that, you know, my mind, it's, it's tough for me to get in God's presence, um, sometimes it's, it's hard for me to slow down my brain. I'm like thinking about the next thing and this and that. But I find that the act of writing things down, that, that physical act, really helps slow my brain down and creates space for me to interface with the Lord in that way. Sometimes, you know, I'll read my Bible passage. Sometimes I'll copy it right from the Bible and rewrite it in my journal. Um, and then I'll ask God, well, what, God, what do you want me to take away from this? And I'll write that down. Sometimes I'll write my prayers down. And what's neat is, because I've been doing this for years, I kind of have a record of uh, what God has spoken to me in years past, and it's fun to look back and see just God's faithfulness throughout the decade. So you might want to try journaling. Yeah, another suggestion uh, just to mention is, um, you know, Marianne talked about just maybe scheduling time to get away, whether it's a full day or a half day, and which is fantastic, but it's, you, well, sometimes we can't do that, right? Sometimes it's hard to pull ourselves away, and I found myself in that place when my kids were very young. I didn't have anyone to watch them necessarily, and uh, I couldn't get away. We didn't have money for it. It just wasn't going to work out, and the, the revelation that kind of came out of that was taking my son to preschool. He was four at the time. And I was in my car, and we were actually going through a pretty dark period in our, in our lives at the time, and I was just kind of letting it out with the Lord, and I had an aha moment like, ooh, I'm in my car. Nobody else is here. I'm hidden, you know, in my car. And my son will be 20 this week, which is impossible to believe, but for 16 years, I have used my car as my hiding place. I used to listen to music all the time, and I don't anymore. For 16 years, I used that place to go and hide. So my point in saying this is it's great to get away and be intentional, but also be creative and use what you have, you know, whether it's a car or a room in your house, whatever, and invite God into those places as well. And it can be very, very transformative. Yeah, I concur. <laughs> I have many uh, worship cry sessions in my car, just you know, I don't have a beautiful voice like Sue, so it's it's my time to really sing as loud as I want, and I find that God meets me there, just listening to worship music, praying out loud, sometimes, like I said, crying to the Lord, and it's just such a, a great way to, to communicate with God on a daily basis, you know, really using that, being creative and using that time to really connect with God. And just one final suggestion just to kind of wrap up these ideas. And we've listed all of these also out in the app if, they're, if it's sparking any interest or creativity for you. Um, but I mentioned before about the, the fact that I like to go to this reservoir and just spend time out in nature. And the reason I like that so much is because that's how God created me. Uh, again, I'm introverted. I love that silence. I love being out in nature. Um, but my husband, for those of you who know my husband, Mr. Extrovert, total opposite um, it's a funny story. He went to a monastery years ago to spend time with the Lord, and he absolutely hated it because it was so quiet. So he left the monastery and went into the heart of New York City and met God there. To me, that ain't going to happen. But my point in saying that is 
Think about how God wired you and created you. And okay, God, do I love this? Or how did you make me? And he will meet you in that place because that's how he created you so uniquely and beautifully. So there's an invitation there to be creative in the places where you might meet God. Yeah. Um, So there is, just to wrap up, there is a negative connotation attached to the word hidden, right? Um, As Sue mentioned, sometimes we hide from shame or it speaks to a need to escape, right, of escapism. Being hidden sometimes reminds us of being small or unseen or not mattering, and those are not fun thoughts to think about. But friends, the Lord gives us a new life-giving perspective on that word. We can't hide from God, but we can indeed surrender to being hidden in his way. We can, we can take refuge in him. We can surrender our will and our expectations and simply rest in the fact and in the knowledge of his sovereignty for us, of his control. However, we have to choose to be intentional about seeking him in the quiet at times of necessary hiding, to come away from all that distracts and remember our true nature from Colossians 3, 1 through 4. I find this passage so very hopeful, and this is what it says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So at this time, I just want to call up the ushers to receive the offering and the connection cards. I want to invite us all to stand up. I just want to pray um, a benediction, a a blessing over you guys while the ushers are are getting, are collecting the connection cards. But um, we're going to take a little bit of time. We're going to be quiet for a few seconds. Because, um, and, and maybe if you're feeling comfortable with this, hold out your hands just as a sign of ready to, being ready to receive from the Lord. We're going to take some time to just pause, take a deep breath. just want to pray this benediction over us. Holy Spirit, come. May we all grow in our practice and in, our, in the truth of our hiddenness with Christ in God. May we experience the reality of being raised with Christ each and every day. May we experience new life, fresh wind, because we are not alone, we are never alone, because Christ himself is with me and I am hidden with him. And maybe you're, you're standing here and you're ready to experience new life. Maybe you want that new life for yourself. You want to experience eternity with the Lord. You're ready to surrender your control. You're ready to follow Jesus. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me if you've never prayed this prayer. So Lord, I admit that I am a sinner, that I don't have it all together, that I fail all the time and that I need you. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, that you made a way for me to be with you forever in eternity. And Lord, today I choose to follow you. 
as my Lord and Savior. I choose to surrender my life, my will to you. Lord, help me to follow you with all of me each and every day. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to invite you to check off that you became a follower of Jesus. And we would love to send you more resources um, to your home so that you have more um, information about this very huge decision that you just made. We would love to um, be that resource for you. All right. And um, as the ushers come and they're collecting everything, just want to dismiss you guys. Thank you so much for coming today. I hope and pray that today will be a Sabbath for you. I pray that you will take some time to connect and to take some quiet. Don't cook dinner. Get some takeout. Have a blessed week. Join us for 21 days of prayer. What a great segue into 21 days of prayer, right? Take some time tomorrow. Be with us at 6 a.m. either here or on Facebook Live so that we can start our week in prayer and getting quiet before God. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for coming.